How's it going, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Episode 40 coming at y'all today, uh, Tuesday episode, for a couple more weeks before we shift it to Fridays um, for the Mock Draft Mondays that we'll have every Monday, obviously. Uh, but we're going to start this episode out with how we normally start them, uh, with a little turn up the heat. We're going to get the heat going here. Each have a hot take today, not sports-related. Uh, I'll go first. So I've normally been talking about food in these uh this segment past few weeks i want to stick with that kind of having a tough time uh thinking of stuff and i just thought this this would be a good one so i'm saying freebirds is far superior to chipotle uh, yes 100 percent unequivocally in terms of the burrito game um you know places that serve burritos you know i don't know what kind of uh food you would call it because like a lot of the burrito places, some sell other stuff and some sell just burritos. So I don't know what you would call like the burrito only restaurants. But yeah, Freebirds is a lot better, especially the one uh, back home. It tastes a little bit better than the rest of the ones, I think. Um, but yeah, Freebirds been killing it since they. I feel like Chipotle has been around a lot longer because, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I had Chipotle. And it wasn't like great, but then I went to Freebirds for the first time, probably like eight years ago or something. And it was incredible, and I've been going there ever since. I don't think I've been to a Chipotle since I've been going to Freebirds. So Freebirds is my go-to. Wish they had one here up at college, um, but they don't currently. So definitely be looking to get to one here sooner than later. I've been missing it, but Freebirds is definitely one of the, I think, more slept-on restaurants. I don't think it's nearly as well-known as Chipotle outside of where we are. But, yeah, nonetheless, Freebirds is far superior. Like I said, I'm with you. Um, the one we we have one, like, dude, it's like what, like five minutes from the house, like back in Austin. Um, there's a Chipotle right next to it now, which is kind of like right down the road from it now, which is kind of funny. Um, definitely, definitely better. Um, Chipotle is the name brand, obviously the bigger bigger name brand, but Freebirds is legit. Um, so I'll definitely champion that take uh, right alongside with you. Um. But my hot take this week, um, I've kind of been all over the map. I had I had what I had I had trucks last week. I had like social media the week before, uh, and then I had and then I had like a sports hot take. So I'm I'm all over the map, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my my kind of all over the map sporadic behavior here, and um, I'm gonna go with the the fact that I I've actually liked the new Marvel movies like post Endgame. Um, seen a lot of hate for him especially the new ant-man movie i really enjoyed it actually jonathan majors a plus performance no spoilers here of course it's a spoiler free podcast but jonathan majors is an a plus performance i thought um but who doesn't love paul rudd i mean come on guy's awesome um but i mean anyone who doesn't like those movies is either a expecting the same product as the first set of movies which is it's not it's gonna be it's gonna be different it's a different time. It's a different. You're catering to a different market. Like those who enjoyed the first ones are now like what, thirty years old probably. So it's like you're you're just the tar- You're not the target audience anymore. The target the target audience is the generation younger than us, and we're twenty one and twenty. So like, I mean, it's just not the target audience for those people. Or B, they lead miserable lives and go to movies looking to like poo poo on them, which is stupid. Anyone yeah. who walks. People who like credit, like, I think movie critics and food critics, especially like those two categories of people live miserable lives because they literally they either like, walk into movies like like looking for things to like 
say, oh, this sucks, like, looking for things to be bad, like, food critics will go to a restaurant, order something, and, like, just can't can't wait to tear it apart. Like, bro, person are you? Be positive. Have some positivity. Listen, I'm not always the most positive person sometimes. I'm known to be a little bit negative at times. I'm sure my family that might be listening is going to agree with that. But have some positivity in, in, in life a little bit. I'm a little more pessimistic about things like, you know, sports sometimes. But it's my way of being a fan. Everyone has their ways of doing it. Go to a movie. I'm looking to have a good time. I'm not going to the movies to go, you know. I didn't bring my notepad and pen and start writing down notes about the movie. I'm there to enjoy it. Have a good time. Maybe have some popcorn. Those that are of age, maybe have maybe have an adult beverage. I don't know. If you're out driving, of course, condone it. But no, I, movies are supposed to be a good time. I'm not sitting there trying to critique every movie. The, the, the new Marvel movies have been good. Didn't love the Doctor Strange movie, in fairness, but thought it was good. Liked the couple of cameos that were in there. Again, no spoiler, spoiler-free podcast for those that haven't seen it yet. It's been a while. Won't spoil it, though. A couple good celebrity uh, cameos in there. Um, really liked the Spider-Man movie. Really liked the new Black Panther. Loved Shang-Chi. Really liked the new Ant-Man movie. I um, think it's introducing new characters as well. Shang-Chi is going to be like, one of the best characters, I think, in Marvel all time. He's awesome. Um, really good movie. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just think that Maybe this hit take is more of like a if you're a movie critic, like you kind of suck. Like maybe there's those people just said maybe that's my hot take. Maybe my hot take is that I like the new. I don't know. But the new Marvel, the new Marvel movies, movies have been good. They've been good. Yeah, I'm definitely not the most positive person either, uh, especially when it comes to sports. I tend to uh, side on the. Um, I don't, don't want to say get too strong here, but yeah, if y'all caught both of us at a baseball game. <laughs> listening to both of us at a baseball game would be like so tough for somebody i, I feel i almost i don't feel bad but like the people in front of us gotta be like man these guys must hate the team like at tech baseball games they must be like god these guys hate starting pitchers <laughs> like even what was it yesterday or a couple days it's ago yesterday, yeah. we were watching the game and everyone was dog like them, hate dude. <laughs> i do that every sports game i go to i dog the players that i root for listen, i don't know what... it allow it, listen it lets the letdown be a little less it like it's less of a letdown yeah when they do yeah uh, exactly like let me cope the way i want to cope you know what i'm saying let me preemptively cope the way i want to okay like it'll, it. it'll, be, it. it'll be it'll be Western Illinois hits like a double and be like, nah, this game's over. We're going to lose to Western Illinois. This is over. <laughs> yes, both of us, dude. Oh, Brett and I are the same sports fan. I do this I do this for every sport, no matter what sport it is, no matter when in the game. If the other team takes the lead or at least do, does something right, I think it's over. I'm calling was, our guys it was, trash. It was, it was what, 4-0 I, in that game, and we're, we're sitting there <laughs> dogging, our, dogging the tech players, right? And then literally, like – Two frames later, it's like 6-4, and we're sitting there yucking it up, having a good time. The most volatile fans you're ever going to see. Not, okay, I shouldn't say volatile. The most, like, quietly volatile you're going to see at a, at a sporting event. Right. Ever. Yeah, I mean, I want my team to win, obviously. That's why I'm going. I love watching. But, you know, something goes wrong, and you're going to hear a little something. And That's right. That's I, right. I, I, I could give you a essay of nicknames that i've had for guys that are not positive nicknames they are negative um for I mean, guys listen, that i we root debuted for, one, we debuted this podcast with meatball morris so we did, got we drafted did. so listen like that's what it is yeah shout out andrew morris um 
had a couple rough starts to start his Texas Tech career, but after that, he was balling. He was great. I think he only had one loss the whole season. So, shout out him. He must have hurt us. I mean, there's no other there's no other way to it. So he must have hurt us. He heard the haters. Obviously, he heard us chirping him, and he was like, you know what? I gotta get right. I mean, Dylan Carter, Texas Tech center fielder. We called him Dylan Carter with a backwards K because he always struck out looking. Look at him. He just went 9-14 this past weekend. And right. he had two bombs, he two doubles, us. and a triple with five walks and seven RBIs. He I mean, I got to be talking about some the great play in center field, by the way. Some awesome play in center field. I know. Great glove work. Ah. I mean, obviously it works. So we got to keep it oh, up. Man. But now, for the. Uh, for the new Marvel movies, I unfortunately have not had the chance to see them. I love Marvel, though. I do want to get a chance to see them probably once it comes out on Disney Plus or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to watching them. I don't have as much time to watch Marvel as I once did. I choose to watch other things over that mostly when I do have time to watch something. Um, but, no, maybe one of these days I'll get get some time to watch a few or, you know, a little more, get a little marathon out of it of all the newer ones so I can get up to date. Um but yeah, I think that that's pretty much it for what we have uh, to kick off the episode. Today we're, we're not talking about too much. We have a standings update for the NBA, All-Star Weekend recap, a little golf recap and uh, preview, NFL Combine preview, uh, You know, talk about the latest coaching hires, and then we have our new cold seat miniseries of the NFL quarterback carousel. This week, I won't say who we're talking about yet, but it's definitely one of the top few quarterbacks whose future is uncertain and it could be uh, we could have some details on it as soon as tomorrow but we also don't know so we're going to talk about it today i got a little teaser maybe some light shed on the darkness here pretty soon a little teaser for it we might we might have some and then of course rounding out the episode with ice bath uh we're both talking about some football related today but yeah to kick it off we're going to talk about some standings update for the nba i'll hit the east and i'll let you hit the west so we're going to talk about the top eight teams obviously the top 10 uh i guess advance from the regular season I'm not going to say make the playoffs because the seven through ten play in a play in kind of like a wild card round in baseball um but yeah number eight is the atlanta hawks at 31 and 30 who just hired uh what was its name Quinn snyder yeah Quinn snyder that's right he was a Yep. Coach for the Jazz for a while, hadn't been yep. anywhere in the league this season, and then the Hawks picked him up after they seemed to be struggling at 31 and 30, uh, 13 games out of first in the East. Miami Heat are 32 and 29, 12 back. We have the New York Knicks at 35 and 27, nine and a half back. Brooklyn Nets are at fit in fifth, 34 and 26, holding pretty steady, falling a little bit, but actually playing pretty well after trading KD and Kyrie. Uh, they're nine and a half back. Cleveland Cavaliers, 39 and 25. I think this was pretty much to be expected. They have a really solid roster, what they've built around Donovan Mitchell, six and a half back. Philadelphia 76ers at 39 and 20. They're four back. We have the Milwaukee Bucks at 43 and 17. There's a half game back of the Boston Celtics at 44 and 17. So Celtics are slipping a little bit. Bucks are hot. Um, could make for an interesting, you know, run down the stretch here to close out the regular season. As we have about 31 games left, or 21 games left in the regular season. Um, yeah, I mean, East overall, it's fairly tight. You know, you look at the top six, or nine and a half games apart. So anything could happen there the last 21 games. I mean, you could easily see a team gain six games on another team. That's probably the most you're going to see over 21 games. Probably six games or so gained on someone, especially out of these top eight teams. They're all winning more than losing. So um, I don't expect to see much shift 
at least in the eight teams that are there, maybe in the order, but not out of, you know, I don't think a new team's going to jump in. Yeah, kind of interesting to see how this kind of plays out and shakes out post-All-Star break. Um, obviously not like the, like the midpoint like it used to be, um, or I guess closer to the point like it used to be. It's pretty much, um, you know, pretty late in the year and the All-Star break occurs at this point. But um, get to the Western Conference here with the Jazz at 31 and 31, 12 games back in the eighth spot. Got the Warriors at 31 and 30, 11 and a half back at seven. Next up, we got the Mavs at 32 and 30, 11 games back, and the Clippers at 33 and 30, 10 and a half games back, and then the Suns at 33 and 29 at 10 games back. So that's what the four through the eight are separated by two games, and I believe that the nine through 12 are all separated by like another two games. So it's super tight. Uh, in the middle of the pack in the Western Conference, and you got the Kings at 35 and 25, seven games back. The Grizzlies at 36 and 23 in the second spot, five and a half games back of the first seeded Denver Nuggets, who kind of have been at the top by themselves, and it seems like they're going to be at the top by themselves for a while. Uh, 43 and 19, they seem to have it probably locked up. The barring some sort of you know long cold streak and a hot streak by the Grizzlies or the Kings, um, have kind of locked up that one seed at this point. Um, so be kind of interesting to see how this, you know, what four through ten or twelve kind of shakes out as yeah. we close out the next couple, you know, what month of the season ish left. So um, should be interesting to kind of see as we as we get on the stretch here. I know LeBron just got said he's going to miss some indefinite time with a a foot injury. Um, obviously KD getting back healthy apparently for the Suns is going to impact it a bunch. So I'd expect the Suns to probably be at the four spot going into the playoffs um, once KD gets healthy and all that, but going to be very interesting to see how kind of how this latter part of the year plays out for the you know Clippers Mavs Warriors Jazz and then um I know the Lakers are up there and I'm trying to I'm draw a blank on who's at nine right now um I believe it's the Pelicans are sitting there at nine um so just going to be an interesting time uh, in the Western Conference as we kind of get through the rest of the year but that kind of wraps it up oh get the all-star break as well I'm going to say they're upset for the NBA but the all-star break recap um I'll start out with Damian Lillard who dropped 71 last night on who they who they beat? Ooh, I don't I remember. Pulled this up. Got about five the, notifications. To win. It, it was in a, a double OT win last night. I know that. Um, the Against 71s the Rockets, were even for Dame. Ooh, well, ugly. But yeah, he's 71 is 71s ridiculous for Dame. Um, Inburn, like that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I believe it was a double OT win. I don't know, maybe it wasn't just a regular win. 71 points is wild. Um, but, yeah, monster game from Dame. He won the three-point contest over the break. Um, pretty cool. I think that's the first time he's won it. Yeah, I think he's done it a couple times. So, not shocking that he won. Um, dude's an absolute menace from three. I think he put up 13 last night in this 71-point performance. So, um, no shock that he won the three-point contest. Yeah, I mean, he only took 38 shots and 71 points and was 100% from the line. So, Pretty crazy stuff from him. Um, but for the dunk contest, one of Texas Tech's own Mac McClung took home the crown. Six-two uh, white guy competing against you know much taller people. It makes for other NBA players who are much bigger line. Than yeah, I mean when he's <laughs> when other players have eight plus inches of height on him. I mean it's like yeah, it's really tough for a dunk contest when they're all dunking on the same height. It's not like they bring the hoop down eight feet for him. So I mean, he had some ridiculous yeah, easy, easy there, Shaq. Easy there, Shaq. Talking about lowering the rim. Easy. 
there's some ridiculous dunks though from all of them. I think Mac had the best showing, obviously, uh, winning it. But I mean, the competition wasn't great this year. I thought Mac did a great job with his uh, unique dunk repertoire. Um, I think the kind of mix of dunks he had, he had the touching the backboard behind the head, touching the rim or whatever. He had obviously, I mean, he, he did a 720 in the air, but from when he actually jumped, it was really like a 540. Um, nonetheless, really impressive from, you know, like I said, being a 6'2 guy jumping on a 10-foot rim. He's got like a 47, 48-inch vertical. Um, all around really impressive from him. Obviously deserved to win. The crowd was great when he was dunking. Um, I thought it was one of the better dunk contests, not only just because of what he did, but I think the environment – in general was better having it in utah i was a i think that was a good location um but yeah i mean shout out mac always was known as a dunker it's fi- finally good to see him in the dunk contest on a world stage with you know the best dunkers um going against him and seeing what he's got so a uh, cool thing to see hopefully he gets a shot you know on a roster not you know a two-way deal or g league um so, yeah, I think that'll be big for him. I think that'll get him a lot of attention. I mean, it already has. Uh, but hopefully he'll land here on a spot for good. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, we talked about it a little bit last week. Um, I think it was one of our – I think it was my ice bath last week. Um, cool that he got some two-way deal um, kind of to do this uh, with the Sixers, and hopefully that gives him a contract just with the unique ability to get to the rack that he does. So, hopefully – um, you know, he parlays into a contract, like a legit contract, and uh, can find himself on an NBA roster here pretty soon. But um, we'll get to the last kind of the main event of the All-Star weekend, which is the All-Star game, in which Team Giannis beat Team LeBron. Funny enough, neither guy really played much in the game. Giannis, like, played the first – he, like, scored the first two points, then checked out of the game the whole game. And then I think LeBron hurt his hand, like, halfway through. But um, Team Giannis beat Team LeBron. With Jason Tatum winning the Kobe Bryant All-Star MVP award, scoring an All-Star game record 55 points. Um, I think the final was like 170 to like something, another not another high number. And no defense ever gets played. Um, I do like that the like the fourth quarter thing that they do, where it's like it's the first team of the 24, or like the opposing team has to match their, you know what I mean? Right. Um, cool tribute to Kobe, but I think it's just a cool. It changes the game a little bit. Kind of makes it competitive. It forces these guys to play some defense, which is cool. Um, kind of down the stretch, but yeah, no, it's um always a fun environment. Um, it's pretty. The guys try to keep it loose. Um, nobody's really trying to play defense, trying to go crazy, nothing like that. So um, always a good time. It's cool to see these guys kind of keep it light and have a whole game to just kind of throw up shots. And usually, I feel like every year now we've got a guy who challenges for a record. Like last year, Steph almost got it. Uh, AD set it in like what 2020, like right before COVID. So feels like every year we have a guy who like tries to go set the points record. So I'm sure by some, at some point someone's going to drop 60 and then 70 and so, you know, so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. I didn't watch any of it live. I definitely saw a good bit of highlights though. And always, I like the new format, like you said, uh, with the fourth quarter and stuff like that. So always brings a good bit of attention to wherever, it, uh, whoever hosts it. Um, sure. It was a fun week out there in Salt Lake city, but as we continue along here, we have, the golf segment. Um, so this past weekend had the Honda Classic at the PGA National Resort and Spa in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Chris Kirk won the event at 14 under, beating Eric Cole in a one-hole playoff. They both, fin- for, both finished 14 under across the four rounds. Uh, I think 
Cole was far more consistent. I think he shot 67 and 66 only for the four days combined. Or, you know, for each round is four rounds were either a 66 or 67. And I think Kirk shot like a 62 and a 70 and 67. He had a wider variety. Um, Nonetheless, both finished at 14 under. And they replayed the 18th hole as a playoff. And Kirk parred it. Cole bogeyed it. And that was that. So... Uh, Chris Kirk took home the $1.512 million, and he uh, he hasn't really been at the top. You probably haven't heard of him because he hasn't won in like eight years. He's 37-year-old out of Knoxville. Um, unfortunate for Cole, another guy who hasn't been you know seen at the top of the leaderboard very frequently. Um, I believe he lost out on like 600000 from the one being one shot worse. Um the top five finishers at the Honda were, you know, they're from the U.S. and only four guys finished better than nine under. So it's a pretty hard course overall, as it normally is. One of the toughest stretches in golf. They call it the bear trap on, like, I think it's hole 14 through 16. Um, but this upcoming weekend, we have the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Arnold Palmer's Bay Hill Club and Lodge in Orlando, Florida. Place I wanted to visit. One of the more iconic golf courses there, obviously, with it being Arnold Palmer, a couple iconic holes. Um the purse is 20 mil, and Scotty Scheffler won the event last year. You know, one of the many events he won, I think five or six last year, on his way to world number one. Um, he has been there currently right now after winning the Waste Management a couple weeks ago. However, after next weekend, we have the Players' Championship, TPC Sawgrass, where it's always played. Kind of the biggest event to date of the calendar year, and then obviously the Masters uh, surpasses that. But the players is basically the biggest non-major of the year. So it'll be fun to see how that goes. Um, always pretty competitive, beautiful course, um, hard course. So that'll be fun to see. But nonetheless, it's it's nice seeing a guy, you know, 37-year-old taking home the dub and a nice payday after, you know, not winning for a little while. So shout out to Chris Kirk and be interesting to see how he fares the rest of the season. Yeah, I know. Um... I don't want to say a lesser weekend of golf, but just not as big as the prior weekend. Um, but nonetheless, still a solid weekend of golf. And again, this next weekend we'll have a great, uh, a much, it's hard to say. Just, I don't want to say much better, but just kind of some bigger names going to be golfing this weekend. Obviously a little bit bigger of a purse um, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So it should be a good weekend, weekend of golf. And, um, you know, wouldn't be shocked to see Scotty go on and play really well again and defend another, uh, another title this weekend. But uh, kind of wraps up the rest of the golf segment. We'll get into the NFL Combine preview. Uh, so basically what we're going to do here is we've broken it down by, I believe, um, the order in which these guys are doing on-field uh, workouts. So D-line, linebackers are going on Thursday. Corners and safeties are all bunched in as defensive backs going on Friday. We've got uh, quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends working out on Saturday, and then Offensive line all bunched together with running backs on Sunday. Special teamers are thrown in there with the defensive back grouping of the corners and the safeties. We're not going to be talking about special teamers. Um, I couldn't tell you a single guy that's getting drafted as special team this year. Just it's February, not even March yet. Haven't looked at that at all. But uh, nonetheless, so what we're going to do here is going to break down each position group. Um, each going to give you a guy that we think um, you know can make a name for himself this week or kind of rise their stock or kind of prove themselves. Um, you know, kind of as, as an athlete that they are. Um, I want to check something really quick because I looked earlier. There was no news, and I want to check to make sure that I haven't missed anything. Because this is a guy who 
is supposed to work out, but we're kind of like, we're going to be getting in news like by the hour. Um, when I put this guy down for the defensive line group, uh, it was unclear to me whether or not he was going to test, but I think he's going to, so I want to double check real fast. But basically, um, that's kind of what's going to go on. So, again, we're going to give you guys try not, well, both of us try not to throw in any like crazy names you've never heard of, maybe a couple here or there. Like, I think. Brett's got a guy we haven't really talked about, and then I've got a guy we really haven't talked about. But other than that, um, we've got pretty big household names. Um, so I'll kick it off. Or I'll, actually, I'll let you kick it off the D-line group, Brett. I'll let you go first here. All right. Yeah, I tried to stay a little uh, – you know, this guy's IDL. Talked about him just last week in our positional rankings. I tried to stay true because, I, I mean, obviously they kind of grouped the guys a little weird. Um, but mine's Kalaja Kansi, the – D-tackle out of Pittsburgh. We both had him number three on our IDL boards. Um, I'm really looking forward to see how he does. Obviously, a guy that didn't garner much attention until the end of the season kind of came on strong in terms of, you know, recognition he got, attention he got for the NFL draft, uh, ultimately declaring. So I'm excited to see, you know, what attention he gets this week, how his interviews go, really the whole experience for him. I think broad jump, uh, obviously three cone are going to be really big for the IDLs. Um, obviously 40, you know, being a, being a little bigger, maybe a little stockier, not quite as big as a normal defensive lineman. Like, you know, you see Siaki Ika and a few other guys a good bit bigger than him. I want to see Kansi run. I want to see if he really lives up to his, you know, what people think he should run based off him being a little bit smaller, stockier defensive lineman. Yeah. Um, like I said, Kaja Kansi is a guy that we've both liked. Um, you know, obviously third on our ideal boards last week. Um, kind of what he profiles as. Should be an interesting guy to test. He should look to see good numbers, agility, and explosiveness-wise from him. Uh, certainly going to look to be a little bit faster. Um, and then agility, again, from um, from a guy who's going to be a little bit smaller. Looking for a good bench number from him, too, good strength number. Um, the guy I've got at D-line is Nolan Smith out of Georgia, who it should be testing. As far as everyone's concerned, it sounds like he's going to be testing, which is great. Um, I will covet this. Covet, I will add in this this note here that, it would have been Tyree Wilson had Tyree been testing. I would have chosen Tyree here, or Brett probably would have. One of us would have picked Tyree. Um, he's not testing. He's going to wait until the pro day here in Lubbock to do that. Um, so kind of healing up from that foot fracture he suffered against Iowa State um, back in, what was that, the end of November. So um, mm-hmm. it sounds like he's started working out a couple weeks ago, kind of just ramping up his workout. So no need to rush back. He doesn't really need to test right now, honestly. I think his stock's so high that um, – yeah, he doesn't really need to test, but definitely looking at the numbers at the, at the pro day that he, he's going to put out should be just freakish. Um, this guy's an absolute monster. I think he's there doing interviews and all that stuff. I just think he's working out. So we'll get the height. We'll get the weight. We'll get the wingspan, which is going to be ridiculous. But in terms of on-field testing numbers, he is going to bench, though. He is bench pressing. So um, Tyree probably puts up a good number there. But Nolan Smith, um, so he's in the D-line group. I, I don't really know why. He's an outside linebacker. Like Will Anderson's with the linebackers. B.J. Ojalar is with the linebackers, but Nolan Smith isn't. I, the, the NFL's dumb. It should be IDLs, edges, and off-ball linebackers, but sue me. I guess I don't know anything. Um, but if Nolan Smith's with the D-line, I'm going to take Nolan Smith out of this group. He was a former number one overall recruit in the country in class of 2019 recruiting cycle. Um, based upon the fact that he was a stupid athlete, he still is. Um, and I think he could have an awesome weekend testing, kind of really solidify himself as edge three or edge four. Um, you know, maybe vault himself past Miles Murphy um, to solidify himself as edge, as edge three in this class. And that, 
you know, we really don't know a lot about what's good, what he's going to look like athletically now. Um, so looking for a good weekend from him to kind of boost his stock and kind of, you know, solidify his name back in that top 20, top, top 25 ish range, um, of prospects and looking forward for a big weekend from him. But, um, and the medicals, obviously the medicals is a big one, but, um, you know. Yeah, I definitely hope he has, you know, obviously stays healthy, uh, throughout the combine as we see a lot of guys, you know, unfortunately either at their combine or the pro day suffer an injury, hurts their draft stock. We saw it with David Ojabo last year at his Michigan pro day. Saw it with another guy a year before I'm forgetting. Um, yeah, Nolan's a guy that could really have some a really good combine and really, like you said, cement his status as maybe the third edge uh, on the board. Definitely help his draft stock. I don't think, you know, he can necessarily hurt it a whole lot because his stock was already probably near as, as low as it could get just because of his obviously torn pec and ACL and stuff like that. Um, but as we move along here, talking about linebacker now, I'm going to talk about kind of an edge guy and BJ Ojolari out of LSU. One of the guys has been a little talked about a little less. Um, he just missed the cut on my edge rusher rankings. Um, top five guys, probably about six or seven for me. Uh, obviously a, strong uh, lineage with his brother Aziz, obviously being a pass rusher who got drafted just a few years ago. Um, I'm interested to see how he stacks up against his brothers. It's really the main reason I picked him. Obviously, um, polarizing guy just because he's an edge rusher and edges are always so interesting. But I want to see how he stacks up against his brother, um, just all the stats at the combine-wise. Because obviously, if you're related, then you should have pretty similar stats, similar build. Um, for the most part, especially if you're both playing the same position in the same sport. So I just want to see how he does, first of all, compared to all the other edges like Nolan and all the other guys we see like Will and a few other, Miles Murphy. But I also want to see, like I said, how he compares to his brother. So that was the main thing for me, but also just picking a guy that don't really talk about as much. Yeah, Beecher is a guy that I've, I've wanted to get deep and deeper into his tape after we did the edge, edge rankings and – guy that I definitely have and that um, a guy who may vault himself into that top five of my edge group kind of when it's all said and done. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of updates after this combine week, I think. But another guy who we actually have not done – actually, we're doing this episode this weekend or this week on uh, the linebacker group um, in Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. This guy um, – there's a guy who works – I believe he works the athletic. Bruce Feldman does like a Feldman's Freaks list over the summer. And Trenton Simpson was on it and – he might be the top performer in, in every single category at the combine for line other than bench. Cause you're probably going to have like Will Anderson throw up a good bench number. That's probably better than Trenton's, but like other than bench, he, he might test better than everybody else in every single athletic category. Um, 40, he's been rumored to run on the four threes, which would be bonkers for reference. I believe Trent Simpson's like six, three, two twenty something. Let's see. Trenton Simpson is Clemson lists him at dude. The Clemson website kills me. Just okay. Well then, he is six three two forty. Doesn't look two forty, so I'd say he's like six three two thirty. Then, dude, if he runs in the in the four threes at six two six three two thirty, book him as a top twenty pick. That's rare. Um, 
he's going to jump really well. He's going to have good agility. This guy's just a total freak. So um, on the freaks list for a reason. Um, so yeah, look for Trent Simpson to just absolutely dominate in Indy and have an awesome week and, and really solidify himself as LB1, um, which it seems like he's probably going to be for most people. I think I don't want to spoil our episode on Friday or Saturday, but like he's widely considered to be LB1 right now. And if he goes and does that at the combine, he's going to be LB1. So um, we'll know when we do our rankings on Friday, like we'll have, we'll have those rankings, the numbers, those numbers for that episode, Friday or Saturday. So, but if he runs a four, three dude, it'd be ridiculous. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, a guy that I haven't looked a ton into yet, obviously seeing him on Clemson defense a few times watching, uh, yeah. you know, miles and KJ and Brzee. Um, but yeah, another talented Clemson tiger defender who highly touted should be the top linebacker. We'll see, you know, who ends up being classified as linebackers and stuff like that. Um, moving on to corners though, this is day two on Friday, starting at 2 PM central are the DBs corners and safeties starting with corners. I got a manual force from Mississippi state, a guy that isn't talked about quite as much. Um, I think he is a guy that similar to Klaja Kansi flew under the radar, uh, for most of the season. I think, Mississippi State had a corner last year as well. Um, he's a little bit skinnier. He's six foot, but I mean, he had a great three years at Mississippi State. I think he'll be have really good combine. Uh, he's quick. He's twitchy. So I think you know you're looking at the three cone and forty as some really good times for him. Overall, I'm just trying to see you know is he a day one guy or not, and I think he could really cement himself as a day one guy with a solid combine. So that's mainly the main thing for me, kind of that fringe uh, round one pick. So he he's flirting with the being in that, you know, that top five for corners for me. So a big combine might vault him into there. Yeah, I know. I mean, a guy that that's that, that long and, and that, that kind of length and that slender frame, he's going to probably have to test well. Um, wouldn't shock me if he runs a really good 40 just with those long strides. Maybe not a great first 10-yard split, but as he gets into the 20 and 30, um, could really lengthen that stride and get get, and get going. Um, so good call out on Forbes. I like that a lot. Curious to see what his, his wingspan's at. He may have the best wingspan of the corner class, dude. I don't know. Um, but I'll, I'm going to give my guy Keely Ringo out of Georgia. Um, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but Keely should go – this is where Keely Ringo can boost his stock again to be in a first round corner. I mean, he's fought, he's firmly fallen out of first rounds of every single mock draft, um, largely replaced by Deontay Banks. So I'm going to have to go back and watch his tape again um, and kind of compare against Clark Phillips and guys like guys like that. Um, but no, Keely should go run on the four threes of this combine. I mean, the, the corner group and the DB group as a whole, we, I, we could have each chosen three players. This class is so athletic. Like, Neither of us was Christian Gonzalez, who's probably going to get one of the four threes. Um, DJ Turner might set a combine record for the three cone. Like, there's some there's some rumored numbers out there that are just stupid for this whole group. So, um, but, but Keeley is a guy that I really want to go see this weekend, perform well, boost his stock back to what it was prior. Um, you know, kind of solidify himself and say, like, hey, I'm a competitor. I'm not going to back down just because we've had all this negative talk about me. I'm still a dude. I'm still going to, I'm still a freak athlete. Um, that can flip the hips and go and turn and run. So, um, yeah, good weekend from Keeley will be huge for his stock. I think the agility drills will be big for him, um, as well as the explosive jumps will be big for him as well. Yeah, he's a guy who's kind of a mystery. 
Uh, you know, you thought he'd be the first corner of the season a year ago, first corner out. Um, you know, Devon Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, kind of the top two guys right now. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of – the corner room's always pretty shaky in terms of you never know what's going to happen at the top. Um, you never know who's going to go first. You never know what order the guys are going to go in. There's so many guys that offer so many different things. It's such a valuable position. Um, but as we move on to safeties here, one of my favorite guys in the class, Trey Dean out of Florida. Um, I will say he's not the best football player. Um, he does have some tendencies that I love it. Not the best football player. That's I mean, yeah, that's a tough that, way to start out an eval. <laughs> I can see it yeah. now. Brett's Brett's typing in his doc in his document for for players. Trey Dean, first bullet point: not the best football player. Return next bullet. I love. I mean, it. he. The thing is with him, I watched him a little bit, and I really like him just because of his athletic profile. He does obviously, like everyone else, has some miscues on the field that could cost him at the next level. If he gets those cleaned up, then it'll be high on my list. Um, that'll be coming out this week as well, safeties. Um, but this dude is athletic freak. I mean, he is like he might set the defensive back bench press record. I mean, but he sucks at football. <laughs> No, and that's, I that's gonna be the next running joke on the pod. Trading sucks at football, but he but he can but he can bench press. Someone get this guy in Mr. Olympia. Someone get him on gear. Someone get him some trend. As no bold prediction, Trading breaks the defensive back bench press record at the combine. What is it? I want to know. This dude is I'm gonna, a freak. Well, I'm gonna look this up while you talk. But honestly, I really like him. I like his game. It's pretty smooth. It's just occasionally you see him. You know, it's not like he's not any worse than like the average guy. It's just just like everyone else. He has miscues. And I just meant not the best football player. You know, I'm not like dogging on him, but I'm like pessimist sports fan. Like I was saying, it's just you find the miscues in guys more so than the, you know, pros in their game. So it's just nitpicking one of my more favorite guys in this class. I don't know why I like him more, but he's just a freak athlete. So I'm rooting for him. Um, hope he does really well. I mean, he could blow up the combine. I think he's one of the guys where. You know, outside of bench press, we all know he's gonna I mean, I know he's gonna be incredible with the bench press, barring like a torn bicep or something. So this dude is gonna definitely have the most reps for DBs at this combine for sure. All time, I don't know, but you gotta have the most at this combine. I don't think anyone's gonna beat him. Um I like a bold prediction. We'll say he gets twenty eight at the combine. Twenty eight for a DB. That's what I'll say right now. I don't think anyone else gets more than 25. Say that. Um, bold prediction, specific bold prediction. Um, but yeah, I mean, not much more to say that I like him a lot, and I'll save the rest for this week's episode of the uh, positional rankings with the safeties. The record's 29, is what it appears. I'm trying to it – this is not easy to find. Um, I should go to the RAS website is what I should actually do. Darn, that's probably what I should do. But nonetheless, okay, here we go. Most bench press reps – I mean, 51 is the best ever. That's ridiculous, dude. That's crazy. Um, God. We'll get back to that later. I'm, I have to know what the, what the record is. But Trey Dean, immaculate bench press subpar football skills we're rocking with it uh the guy i've got on here i would say 
pretty good football player. Um, guy who I think is going to fly. After watching Georgia's defense this year, by the way, I have one, two, three, four. No, I definitely have one, two, three, four. I have five Georgia players on my on my of my one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Of the nine players I'm going with, five of them are from Georgia. Sue me. Um, Chris Smith, safety out of Georgia. He's gonna have a big. He's gonna have a good weekend. I think he's gonna fly, dude. He he was so fast downhill at Georgia this year. I think he's gonna run a good time for safeties. Um, like he's gonna test really well. I think he's gonna have a good weekend. I think a guy that's might be safety three for me or safety two. I don't know. I I mean it's early. We're gonna start watching tape probably in the next couple of days. Um, since we're double dipping this week with linebackers, safeties, a little bit of a spoiler, but not really. So we we're gonna tell talk about it today anyways. But um. Yeah, no, a guy I'm looking forward to watching, see what he tests as. Um, again, a physical safety that I think um, if he tests well, could kind of up what people perceive his range to be if he tests well speed-wise. So looking forward to see Chris Smith this weekend. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy from that Georgia defense that you look at, and he's like, this dude has potential at the next level. Uh, they, yep. You know, they have tons of guys that come out every year, and they, they play well in the pros pretty quickly uh you look at this year with all the guys that came out and they all they all produced to a certain extent um you know throwing in as a starter he'll, right away he'll be a special teams monster for somebody if he does if he's not a starter at safety he'll be a special teams monster for a team dude no question yeah, yeah. i gotta i gotta look at him a little little bit see how you know what i really think about him um looking forward to doing that um safety is gonna be a fun class i always like safeties um kind of kind of slept on those guys that you know the last line of defense you know are so versatile and are really more valuable than they are made out to be um next in line here are the quarterbacks and i have hendon hooker the old head out of tennessee um he's 25 he is going to turn 26 right as the season ends uh, in january of 2024 um might be the only 90s baby in this in this draft uh that's gonna get drafted no there's definitely a couple others I mean, yeah there's be. probably a couple others but uh but he's, he's got to be the oldest oh, I'd oh say. Stetson Bennett that's a yeah older. um he's a guy that you know being a little older I don't think obviously with the torn ACL he's not going to do much but I'm interested to see just how his week goes in general if he is going I, I assume he is um in terms of the off the field stuff I mean I don't know if he's going to do any Anything that doesn't require his legs, um, any throwing, maybe any bench press, anything like that. I'm really interested to see how the interviews go. Nonetheless, I'm just interested to see what he can do. Um, one of the you know guys would have been a Heisman finalist this season had he not torn his ACL in week nine or whatever that was. So just looking forward to see you know how he does and really what this week does for him in the long run draft uh probably a day two pick but nonetheless uh pulling for him and he should have a good week down there or up there in um indianapolis definitely the, the interview's gonna be big for him getting on the chalkboard he, he's apparently already blown him out of the water interviews wise um so curious to see kind of what we hear the other part of the combine that's, that's probably more important than the actual testing that goes on field is the interviews and the intel that's kind of gathered and put out by insiders and beat reporters, that kind of thing. Um, 
you know, a lot, a lot of NFL, you know, bigger NFL draft names, um, NFL draft media names that are really plugged in, um, get a lot of, get, get a lot of intel as well. A lot of these people have contacts now, you know, within teams. So a lot of intel gets gathered and I think a big one's going to be, how does the league feel about Hendon Hooker and all that stuff? Do, what do you think the record is? I was, 29 was not the record. What do you think the record is for DBs? For bench press? Because they didn't find it. Is it higher? I said, I said twenty. Yes, I said twenty-nine. It's not twenty. It's higher. Is it thirty-two? Close thirty-one. Do you know who it is? Probably not. You weren't even. You, neither of us were even alive when this guy did this. Adam Archuleta, out of Arizona State, in two thousand one. Okay. So, yes, um, thirty-one is impressive. Do you know what the least amount of bench press reps done by someone who performed in this event as a DB? Seven? Two. <laughs> two. There's two guys. Joshua Moore from K-State in 2010 and Brian Mills in 2021 from North Carolina Central. We're on a total tangent. But this is interesting. Tyron Matthew did four reps in 2013. That's crazy, bro. What? I'm not benching to 25. Come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? I'm going to have to go look at all this, dude. I'm so intrigued now. The 225, the 225 aggregate data has gotten to me. Um, all right, back on back on topic. Uh, the guy I have here, the opposite of – I won't say opposite. This guy's interviews are going to matter a lot because he's a quarterback. But this guy should go and walk into Indianapolis, do all the drills, throw, and then set the football on the 50 and, like, literally walk out of the building and leave and never return to Indy unless he's picked there as a Colt. And that's Anthony Richardson because he's he he might blow the roof off of uh, off of Lucas Oil this weekend. He's going to have a ridiculous – legitimately, Anthony Richardson might have the best statistical numbers in every – like bench press all the way to 40. He's running the best 40. It's, Malik Cunningham might run a better 40. But are we counting him as a quarterback? I don't know. Um – Dude, he he's gonna he's gonna throw up ridiculous bench numbers. Although he probably won't bench. The three cone will be stupid. The forty will be stupid. The vert will be stupid. Everything's gonna be dumb. Anthony Richardson, um, he's a freak athlete. I'm gonna save my take on him for the quarterbacks podcast, but I've got a legitimate take on him about him about his ceiling in this class and his floor. Um. Tom Big Anthony Richardson fan. I think he's going to light it up this weekend, and I cannot wait to see him be the number one overall winner from this entire event of every position group. He's the guy that has the most to gain, and then the guy that will gain the most from this weekend. Yeah, I I really like him as well. Uh, didn't initially, but I've liked him more and more as I've you know as I've seen stuff on him and just thought about it. Uh, and the quarterback ranking should be fun next week. Um, Right. You specifically are going to have to prepare yourself for the immediate Lamar Jackson comparisons, like within minutes of the 40 time, within seconds of the oh, yeah. under 60 seconds in the 40 time. Someone's going to throw out the he's just like Lamar Jackson. Just wait. It's going to happen. I'm ready. But I mean, if if Lamar was traded to Atlanta, I don't know if I I think I'd be fine with it, taking him. Um, love it. I love it. But at the end of the day, I just. I want to see him do well. I want to see him go to a good fit overall. 
but really excited to see what he does this weekend. Yeah. Um, should have, you know, top three highest RAS scores this weekend um, across all positions. Ooh, is he going to have the best RAS score ever for a quarterback? I'm going to have to go look this up now. He While you get the will. next one. I'm going to, I got to know. Like athletes of his game, like the way he plays, don't normally They just run. don't play like, quarterback. Lamar didn't run. Kyler didn't run. That's um, true. And like, and they just don't play quarterback too. Like you just don't see guys. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. But moving on here, um, wide receivers are up next. I'm going Zay Flowers, easy pick out of Boston College. Um, I think he'll have a good week, and I think his numbers are gonna be interesting in that you're looking at obviously 40 for all receivers. Um, you know, three cone. I'm looking to see his, you know, the ball tracking, the over the shoulder um, throws that they do. Really everything for him. I think he's a guy who should be a first rounder, and you know, unless something crazy happens, um, he will be. So I just want to see him cement his status as a first rounder by having a solid week. I think he could really put up some good numbers. Really versatile guy, shifty. I mean, the three cone should be really good. The shuttle should be good. All of it should be pretty solid for him. It'll just be fun to see, you know, see it come to fruition for him and how everything goes. Yeah, that was um, Zay's one of my guys, man. I love Zay. Um, I will add to this. Man, Josh McCown had a 9.96 out of 10 RAS score. That's crazy. It's better than Marcus Mariota's and Tim Tebow's. That's wild. Um, okay. I don't know if it's going to be better than the 10.0, perfect 10 that Cameron that Cam Newton got. Cameron Newton out of Auburn University. Um, I don't know if he's going to be better than Cam's. But, I mean, 6'5", 248. Person's a little shorter. 35-inch vert is stupid for quarterback. Six nine two three cones pretty crazy. Four one eight shuttle. He's gonna run better than a four six forty. I'll tell you that right now. Cam's can run a four six. He's gonna run better than a four six. One six split it, ten yard split's pretty good though. So we'll see. Um, but I'll stop getting on the tangent here. I'll go back to receiving. I get Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati. I I could have gone with Quentin Johnston because he's gonna blow the vert out of the water and his broad jump's gonna be ridiculous. He was also on Feldman's freak list because he's gonna jump out of the gym. Um. Or jump out of the, the stadium, rather. We're going to run a good 40, probably, for a guy that big. But I'm going to go with Tyler Scott. But I'm going to say runs the fastest 40 time. Faster than Jalen Hyatt. Faster than Zay. Tyler Scott's going to probably run the 4-2s. High 4-2s, but 4-2s. A guy who, who neither of us really watched for receivers. A guy that I've kind of been turned on to recently in the past couple weeks uh, out of Cincinnati. But let me pull up his measurables real quick for you guys. That way I can kind of give some context to him. It'd be awesome if I could just not have ESPN pulled up because I – okay, here we go. I want to see what the university – university had it at 5'11", 185. Um, dude, he moves though. Like on tape, he flies. Um, so he's – to me, he's a guy that like if there's a team – I mean, I go back to the Chargers a lot um, just because that's the team I know the best, obviously. Um, the Bills are another one um, that I can kind of point to. The Eagles as well. Teams that are going to be looking for a deep threat, like a steep speed threat, maybe not in round one if they opt to go different a different direction in round one. Um, Tyler Scott's a guy you could kind of pick up in the third that I think really kind of fills that that deep threat role really nicely. Going to run a great 40 time. Um, just looking forward to it. again. Guy who could kind of make a name for himself and really shoot himself up boards this weekend is um, is him out of Cincy. So um, kind of add to their repertoire that Cincy receiver room. Um, they have another guy. Trey, not Trey Palmer. He's from Nebraska. 
I'm going to forget his name. There's another Cincinnati receiver who should test well. And then obviously Alec Pierce last year kind of cranking out some athletes, the receiver in there at Cincy. But Tyler Scott's a name to look out for this weekend. And I think a lot of people are, will know by the end of the weekend um, with a ridiculous 40 ton. Yeah, he's a guy that I haven't really heard too much about. But hey, if you run fast, you're fun to watch the combine. So I, like, I normally like guys that, you know, can test well, obviously. Being a Ravens fan, the Ravens never really care about combine numbers. But um, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the fans. It gets views. So um, moving on to tight ends here. I'm going Luke Musgrave, my tight end four out of Oregon State. Guy that I really like. Um, you know, one of the bigger guys that's had more production than most being in the Pac-12. Um, not going against the best defenses there. Um I'm just overall looking to see how he fits in with this class. He's kind of that first guy out of that top tier. And I want to see if he can kind of inch closer to that top tier, being that, you know, Darnell Washington, Michael Mayer, um, Dalton Kincaid, those three guys. Can Luke kind of get into that group with a strong combine, stronger than those other guys? You're, you know, you're running work with them, you're catching with them, you're doing all the drills right there with them. So can he separate himself from them being, you know, doing all doing it all together so i think he can and i think it'll be interesting to see if he does um but huge weekend for him yeah i think i think it's a big weekend for for him and darnell i have darnell washington as my tight end here but uh, real quick don kincaid is not going to be testing this weekend he waits till the pro day um still kind of working back from that fractured back he suffered the last regular season game of the year kind of played through it um fall through some pain to play through it in the in the big in the pac title game obviously missed the rose bowl so um, no Kincaid this weekend. I'm not saying it's going to hurt his stock, but if Musgrave and Washington have really good combines, it could inadvertently hurt Kincaid's stock by just those guys' stocks rising. Um, I'll say for Musgrave, he has to run an elite for he, he's going to have to run a, like a top five percentile tight end 40 all time. He's gonna have to run the best forty of all tight ends because of the fact that like that's what his game, that's what this like illustrious like we didn't see him play this year at all, so we haven't seen him play football in over a year. It's like we've been told like obviously the Senior Bowl was great, but like he's been made out to be this like illustrious prospect because of this ridiculous forty times supposed to run. We got to go see him run like four five, like sub four five, below a four a below four six into the four fives would be really good for him. Um, he's going to have to do it, though. To, it's going to make or break for his stock. If he does it and he tests well and the medicals check out, he's going to shoot up boards, and he may even jump Darnell and maybe even Kincaid as a younger guy. But if he doesn't, he's going to sit there at tight end four and maybe even get passed up by Sam Laporta or Tucker Craft, who could have big weekends as well. So really a make or break event slash weekend for Musgrave, I think. Um, the guy that I have is Darnell Washington. I just think that a guy who's six foot seven, two 280 pounds, 270 pounds, if he runs the rumored like four six, he's gonna run. He's he's going to be a first round pick. He's a unicorn. You just you don't have guys that big, that strong, that run that fast. You just don't like it. Just doesn't happen. Um, like he's a guy that if he tests well, you can lock him in as a as a, as a first round pick. And he will jump Kincaid. Like I hate to say that we're gonna knock a guy for not for being hurt, and you rarely ever do. And he's gonna obviously test his pro day, but like. I'm telling you right now, if Darnell Washington tests like an absolute freak of an athlete and a total unicorn, he's he's going to jump guys on boards because he's that rare 
Um, and what he does as, as a blocker is that rare. So big weekend for Darnell um, to really go show what he can showcase, uh, you know, as a rare athlete that he that he is. Yeah, I agree. Another guy is kind of u- unique, um, you know, measurables for him. It'll be interesting. And also just seeing I performs against the, you know, maybe a little more positionally fit guys. Um, he's kind of a traditional tight end and, be fun to see how he stacks up. Like you said, uh, 40s going to be big, and I think he definitely cement himself as, as a first rounder um, on Saturday when he performs at the combine. Um, got two categories left: O line and running backs. This is for Sunday, the final day. Sunday at noon Central is when they're going to kick off on NFL Network. And I'm going with Peter Skronsky, Skronsky, the Northwestern offensive lineman, offensive tackle whatever you want to call him. Uh, I think he's better guard early on, but we already talked about that. Um, honestly, the measurable measurables are going to be big being a little bit smaller and, you know, hands, um, height, a little lighter. Um, ultimately he should have better athletic numbers than most of the guys just being a little smaller, um, a little more agile. So, um, hopefully he kind of separates himself athletically a little more than people think he will. And I think that'll be beneficial for him. You could see him jump Paris or Broderick. Um, I mean, with a really good combine, maybe, you know, one of those guys kind of doesn't have a great week or a great day. Um, and I definitely think this could go to Skronsky's favor more so than Broderick or Paris. As much as that might be true, he's not going to do it, dude. There's no way he he tests better than Broderick and Paris. There's just, there's just no way. Um, I, I was torn between having Broderick and Paris here, and I went with Broderick because he's my guy, um, my favorite offensive lineman in this class. Um, a, li- a little undersized, I wasn't undersized, a little bit smaller than Paris, and I think that if he tests really well, I think he's gonna have great agility numbers. He's gonna have a good forty time. I think Paris may have the better forty time of the two of them, but I think Broderick probably has the better, um, you know, better agility numbers, which I think are gonna matter a lot more for for NFL teams. I think his ten yard split might be a little bit better. Both guys move as they look like elite athletes on the field. Um, just I could see I could see Broderick having a really good combine and kind of solidifying himself as tackle one. Um, I'd love to see Skaronsky go out and have a great combine, and I'd love to see him kind of break down the wall a little bit of the short the short arms thing. I just do. I don't know. I just the tape doesn't lie to me, and I just don't think he listen. If he tests like an absolute freak, then I don't know what happened on his tape this year. Um, I'll be curious to see what he weighs in it actually. I'll be curious to see what he looks like and weighs in at because, like we said, or like I like I mentioned, and we both kind of talked about was like his 21 tape was so much better because he looked he was 15 pounds lighter than with Michael Mayer. So curious to see what that looks like for for Skaronsky, but I'm gonna go with Broderick to have a really big weekend here. Um, down to our last position here, running back, and I'll let you uh, let you take it here. Yeah, my guy. Um, episode dropped. Make sure y'all go check it out. Um, my number three running back, Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA. Uh, I think he could have a really interesting combine. Kind of has a different athletic profile in comparison to a lot of the other guys in the running back class. Just going to be interested to see if he can hang athletically, um, you know, more agility and speed with the rest of the guys and see how he stacks up. Obviously, he's not going to be the fastest or the quickest, um, but just see how he stacks in that grouping. You know, you have the list of the best 40s and the best three cone and the best whatever the best broad jump is going to be big vertical um where he stacks up and if he can take advantage of you know maybe some people 
labeling has a, him as something or thinking he's going to finish in a certain spot. So um, I think he could end up finishing higher in the running back rankings at the combine than most people think. But I don't know. It's up to him. So uh, looking forward to seeing it. Definitely hope he does finish higher than people expect, and I want to see him go a little early. It's a good call. I want to start with it. Um, I think he might have a really good, really good broad jump number, really good vertical number. He's so strong. Um, candidly, the guy I have on this list is not who I had on here to start the episode. As we scrolled on the, the dock, I realized you did not have this. I, I left him to, for you to take if you wanted him. I originally had Rochon Johnson, my running back three on here, who's my my guy of the class. Um, I think Rochon's going to have a great combine, show the speed, show the strength, explosiveness. But I'd be remiss if we didn't get Devon H. on the pod. This guy's gonna go run. This guy's I'm. I said on the running back show, bet the house that he runs in the four twos, dude. He's running a four two. He's gonna challenge. He's gonna run on the four twos. He's going to challenge for the combine record. I think. Um. What is like four two four? What's the official record? John Ross's official record. Four two two. Four two two. Yeesh, that's fast. Um. Yeah, a chain might. He's gonna challenge for it, dude. He's gonna have a really good combine. He's going to make himself a lot of money this weekend, dude. He's going to go from teams going like, we think this guy's really fast to we know he's really fast and someone's taking him in the second round. So Devon Chain did not make the cut for either of us. It was not a top five back for either one of us. Actually, you didn't even watch him. Um, probably would have been a top five back for you, though. Was not for me, but going to be a, a top five back taken because he's going to be ridiculously fast. Um, curious to see what his agility numbers are, though. Honestly, I'm curious to see if it's like going to translate at all, if it's going to be like straight line speed, or if he's going to have the agility to kind of pair with it. But um, A Chain's going to be the star of the show, man. He's going to he's going to steal it. He's going to have recency bias. I think the last group to run the 40. I think I think running backs go last this week. I know they're the last day. I just know if they're going to go before the alignment or not. I bet they probably go after. Um, and people are going to have to leave talking about the people are going to walk out of the building talking about, man, the honey chain's fast. So he's going to be a, he's going to be a big winner from the weekend. I already see all the CBS, NBC, ESPN sports articles, Devon, a chain, blah, 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 blah. You heard it here first, folks. Maybe not first. You're going to hear though on cold seat podcast. Going to have a good weekend. Going to be a winner. Um, but yeah, that kind of wraps up the combine talk kind of took a little bit of time, but I think this is valuable. It kind of previews the combine in a nice way and kind of gets over the, you know, the the drills we're going to see, the players are going to see. Um, try to keep it bigger names, obviously, guys that, you know, you guys have probably heard of. We don't want to throw out. Um, you know, I think Tyler Scott was bold of me to throw out <laughs> that, that name. So, um, but no, I'm excited for it. I, I think there's only a few positions that really matter from a testing standpoint. I think the biggest thing, um, but I, I don't think I know that the, the most important part of this whole exercise um, is for NFL teams to get these guys in the room, interview them, get to know them as people gets to know who they are off the field, which is huge for a lot of teams. Like I know the Chargers have openly talked about or openly talked about in 2020 when they traded up to get Kenneth Murray. Like they wanted to do that because of the, the how he interviewed. Like he blew him out of the water in the interview and thought he was great. Um, and they really believed in him. Obviously, it's not panned out for them. Um, I think Anthony Lynn, yeah, I don't know, probably a little bit in over his head. Um, but again, this is a big this is a big deal for a lot of teams. The interviews are huge. Um, you know, the medicals are obviously big for a guy like Nolan Smith and, you know, others in this class. Like Brian Bridges is going to be a big one that the medicals are huge for. How do those look for him? How do those check out? Um, I think another guy that is kind of being talked about is Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson. Like, how do his medicals look? Guy was hardly played any football there, but dominated the senior bowl, right? So 
Um, the medical is going to be big this weekend for a lot of people. Hennon Hooker is another one that you talked about, Brett. So, um, you know, yeah, going to be a fun weekend. And then we're going to watch it on Saturday um, for sure. Probably catch some on Friday, definitely Sunday as well. But um, should be a really interesting weekend and kind of going to get a lot um, of intel again on these players and how the NFL feels about them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, looking forward to it. Starts this Thursday, goes through Sunday, just like a golf tournament. So um, looking forward to see all the numbers, you know, what big storylines are there, both good and bad. Um, but yeah, next up, we have the coaching hires that we have seen since the since we last talked about it a couple weeks ago. I don't think we talked about them last week. Um, Denver Broncos, they found their coordinators. They hired defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, who was a head coach of the team back uh, five years ago, I think from 2017 to 2018. And they hired yeah, the, no, noted for having the time of his life, by the way, noted for having the time of his life. Yeah, he did have the time of his life. Um, he was a very interesting coach. Um, it didn't really pan out the way I thought it would somewhere to Nathaniel Hackett. Um, but the Denver Broncos did get their die guy in Sean Payton uh, brought in. Former L.A. Chargers offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. Obviously, Lombardi won't be calling plays. Um, stick master. The goat. Goat stick route. But he will be there. Um, for what? Not sure. But I'm sure he'll just provide guidance um, to whoever wants it, if anyone um, goes up to him. And, you know, I, I really don't know what he's going to do. You know, OCs that don't call plays are pretty weird. Uh, just their role because, like, what are you, like, a quarterback coach? Are you, like, an offensive player coach? Like, all these guys that don't call plays he, have different roles. He holds but, he holds Sean Payton's jockstrap. I don't know, man. You tell me. What, what did Joe Lombardi do in New Orleans? Hang out with Drew Brees? Like, dude, I couldn't tell you. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Broncos got their two coordinators. Um, I mean, I guess they're good hires. It didn't really matter who they brought in as OC because they're not calling plays as a traditional OC would. Um, Chiefs brought in OC Matt Nagy. Their former quarterback coach, um, they lost their OC uh, this offseason to another position that we'll talk to in a sec, talk about in a second. Uh, but Matt Nagy, former Chicago Bears head coach, uh, terrible head coach, um, but being hired as offensive coordinator under Andy Reid, another offensive coordinator who's not going to call plays is Matt Nagy. Um, Andy Reid will be calling plays as he normally does. I guess we didn't really know for sure the past few seasons how that went. Between between him and Eric Bieniemy, um, but Matt Nagy, I don't think that there would no, be no confusion who's calling plays next season. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, Matt Nagy's the OC. Uh, not sure how big a role that'll be, but I guess it's a good hire promoting from within. It doesn't really matter who their OC is. I mean, Andy Reid's their head coach. Matt Nagy, noted terrible head coach, just like Tradeen, noted bad football player. Those that don't get the Vance Joseph having time of his life reference, please go YouTube, like pause the podcast, go YouTube, Sergio Denver Broncos Monday Night Football, and pull up the clip of the greatest NFL sideline interview of all time. I will add in, I think I told, I think I texted you like, oh my God, I was in Costa Rica this summer fishing um, with my dad, my grandpa, and my two uncles, and... We had ESPN. We just threw it on. Like we got back, we just finished dinner or whatever. Guess who was like the lead sports center anchor? Dude, it was Sergio Dip. I literally, like, I, I, I tossed my beer. International. 
under 18 or drinking age is 18 internationally. Let's just clear that up. Um, I, st- I, I slammed. I was like, oh, my God, that's Sergio. Like, I, I, li- I yelled. I exclaimed so loudly. And everyone was like, what are you talking? Who, who is that? And my dad's half brother, who's uh, a little younger than he is. Um, he's the, I think he's 10 years older than me. He was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from Monday Night Football. And um, sure enough, I pulled up the clip. Sergio Dip he has a career. Love the guy. Greatest interview ever on a, on a sideline. So just want to throw that out there. Um, also on Joe Lombardi, before I get to the next couple of hires, I'm tangents left and right tonight, but that's okay. I'm You've seen the meme because I've sent it to you repeatedly after over and over on third downs when Joe Lombardi would run stick, which is like basically a concept where it's everyone runs like a three-yard curl route on – third and seven um but it's basically it's it's like that and it's like the madden call stick and like that's what it is and it says here comes joe lombardi and it's a square image and i, I so badly want that to be like like the podcast like art today instead of like the regular cold seat art i want i want to make it that picture i'm not going to but the urge like the intrusive if i let the intrusive thoughts win i would do that um but i'm not gonna let the intrusive thoughts win tonight i'll say that for another night maybe i don't know um but no, uh, the, the Vance Joseph one's weird because, like, I mean, I get it because, like, there's there's literally nobody in that building making decisions that was there when he was there. They have new ownership, new GM, like, new everything, head coach, all that stuff. So it's a little confusing, but I guess I understand it from a, like, head coach standpoint. Like, he knows Sean Payton well. So, um, and then Matt Nagy. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a weird one. I get he was already on the team as a quarterback's coach, but. Tell me they couldn't go find a guy to take that job. Come on. I don't know about that. But um, I'll get to the next two here. Los Angeles Chargers promoted their defensive backs coach, Derek Ansley, to their defense coordinator position after defense coordinator, Ronaldo Hill, um, left it. He was allowed to leave the team to go take a job under Vic Fangio in Miami. I believe he's DBs and passing game coordinator. So it sounds like he's parla- trying to parlay kind of into an offensive coach maybe. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but nonetheless, kind of what it sounded like is Staley, um, sounds like his mentor, Vic Fangio approached him and said, Hey, do you mind if I hire Ronaldo? And it's not like, you know, Staley wasn't upset to let Hill go and promote Ansley. So, um, they've been looking to promote Derek Ansley. Okay. They were looking for a way to do it. And this opened up for him nicely. They also promoted Tom Donatell. Uh, I believe to DBs and something else um, on defense. Again, another guy they wanted to promote. So um, ended up working out for the Chargers here, promoting Ansley. And I'm, I'm happy about it. I think I didn't love what Ronaldo Hill was doing. He was supposed to come in and be like this elite DBs coach, and he wasn't. He was not this defensive back guru. So hopefully Ansley's better. I, I'm glad they kept Donatel. I think he's a, a really young, bright mind. So um, glad they did this. And then uh, probably the biggest hire we're going to talk about here is the Washington Commanders hiring. Eric Bandy is new offensive coordinator, and I presume next head coach when they fire Ron Rivera right. this year. Uh, they they t- they kind of prime away from. I think his contract is in Kansas City, so I think it worked out um, for him to go be an OC. He's gonna. There's no debate about who's calling plays in Washington. It's gonna be him. Um, I think this is a good move. I really like the move to get him in there for presumably to coach Drake May or Caleb Williams next year. If we're being honest. I mean, maybe Sam Howell's the guy, but I don't think he's going to be. So probably going to coach Drake May or Caleb Williams next year in Washington. But nonetheless, um, I think he's going to be a head coach for them. 
I don't think they, I think they're gonna want to promote from within whenever they do fire Ron. Um which frankly is probably gonna be this year, it sounds like. Um love Ron Rivera, but I just don't know if that's gonna be um, you know, a permanent destination for him much longer. They cut Carson once today, so um not a super bright future for the whole organization there. But plus with the the more murking mur- muddying of the waters with Dan Snyder and all that. So what happened today? So um Bienemy should be a bright spot for them. Um, probably going to be a head coach for them at some point, if not, you know, this year. So happy for Bienemy that he gets the job, he gets the opportunity um, to kind of be on his own as an OC, and eventually, what I think is an, is a pipeline to be a head coach. Yeah, for sure, good hire. I know a lot of Washington Commanders fans uh, in my family. They're all pretty excited about it. Obviously, um, they come to me for some insight. Um, basically, just said, yeah, solid hire, about the best candidate out there, and. You're looking for him to be your next head coach. Well, hopefully he's, after. Listen, he's no Kellen. He's no Kellen Moore. Okay, calm down. He's not Kellen Moore. Hey, All best right? candidate that was available. Best available candidate. Thank you for clarifying, Brett. I'm just saying he's no Kellen Moore. But no, I think he'll do really well. Great I hired. Think, Great. I think Washington's he, he, he a good was the fit best for candidate. him. And uh, I'm just looking forward to see how he does with the new system. Fresh start for him. Um, no longer kind of, you know, he's fully on his own now. Um, Colin plays, Colin schemes, uh, drawing up schemes. Uh, should be exciting, though. Um, Arizona Cardinals, they obviously hired Jonathan Gannon as their head coach, Philly, Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. He brought over Nick. A hot take here from the cold seat. Um, maybe maybe not uh, too hot, but. Should not be a hot take. Yeah, maybe not too hot, but. He also brought over uh, Nick Rollis, the Philly linebackers coach, as his DC. I assume Gannon will be calling uh, the defense, but he's not. He's not going to be. He is said he? he's not. This week he said he wasn't. That's a good hire, I think. They had a great linebacker in this year. They did. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Drew Petzig, the Cleveland Browns um, quarterbacks coach. I can make a. <laughs> don't don't love this one. <laughs> I could be making a few jokes right here, but, uh, yeah, Petzig, uh, not too sure about what he did there, um, with Deshaun in the Cleveland QB room. Um, I don't know if he developed Deshaun at all. I mean, Deshaun didn't have a great year. Obviously, no, you're out of football. Deshaun regressed so mightily <laughs> for years. over two and years. Uh, quite a poor season, uh, to start for Deshaun. But you love to see it from the Cleveland Browns. Um, well, I don't know yes. what they're going to do now without Petzig. Um, it'll be tough to rebound from that, obviously. Um, I don't know who they're going to promote or hire as a quarterback coach. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to bite my tongue on that one. Yeah. I'm going to uh, bite my tongue. Not going to say anything about that, but nonetheless, uh, Cleveland loses their quarterback coach. And with Petzig becoming an offensive coordinator, exactly half the league, so 16 out of the 32 teams, now have a new offensive coordinator for this upcoming season, which is crazy to me. Uh, you know, you look at 16 teams with a new OC, probably 10 of those guys, 11 are calling the offenses. Um, pretty pretty substantial number. I don't think you normally see this. It's normally about six or seven probably in an offseason. Um, but when you have 16, that's a huge deal. So obviously, you know, a lot of teams weren't happy with their offense this year. Um, you know, I don't, probably half those hires are guys that were offensive coordinators this past season. They're being hired as offensive coordinators for other teams. You look at Joe Lombardi, Eric Bieniemy, 
Um, obviously different circumstances for those two guys, but I think, you know, recycling offensive coordinators, I'm never a big fan of just recycling coaches in general. I always like, you know, b- building up your own tree, finding guys that have gone up the ranks, you know, been positional coaches, been past game coordinators, stuff like that. Um, but nonetheless, a lot of teams with new OCs, um, that's going to lead us to the final segment before the ice bath to round out the episode. We'll be pretty quick, a uh, good, good bit quicker than the 51 minute, uh, talk we had on Lamar Jackson last week in the inaugural uh, cold seat miniseries of the NFL quarterback carousel. But this week's team uh, player is Aaron Rodgers. Um, Obviously, as I'm sure most of y'all know, he went to a darkness retreat in Oregon in this kind of like underground bunker looking thing with, you know, a queen bed and a toilet. Is there a a picture of it? Are you joking or is there an actual picture? There's multiple pictures. No, there's not. Oh, oh I got you it. haven't seen okay, it. Keep, keep, no, no, keep talking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on my phone and find this. You keep, keep talking. Do you have it on Twitter? If the you wanna send seat, it to me, I the will. The Cold Sea Podcast Twitter retweeted it. Oh, bless. Oh, I love this. Yeah, keep, shout keep out going. to I'm the gonna, I'm producers gonna... of the Twitter. They caught that um, back, from, back, back. I believe, Front Office Sports. Um, oh no. No, that was a joke. We run the uh, socials, but um, I mean, th- it honestly doesn't look terrible. I honestly Dude. thought it would look worse. I thought it would look worse. They made Darkness it look good retreat. with like the snow and stuff, but you know what? You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna email all my professors and say, hey, you know what, guys? I'm gonna go on a darkness retreat. I need a week. I need some time <laughs> off. Dark. I need to go collect myself. Darkness retreat. Just give me a break on all my assignments, exams. I'm, I'm no big right? leave. I'm taking a leave. I'm taking. And I need, it, it's not a. I need four to seven business days. To go collect my thoughts in a dark, naturally lit cave with a toilet, a queen bed on box springs, and a sink that doesn't run. I mean, listen, it's not a sabbatical. It's a darkness retreat, okay? It's different. I get trying to clear your head, whatever he was doing. I guess he said other people have done it and it's worked wonders. So I I get where he's coming from. A little strange. He he could just go do drugs legally in Oregon. That's all. He just wanted to go do. He just wanted to go do shrooms legally, I guess. Go buy the good stuff, I suppose. I don't know. Could be a reason. Um, It's on DMT. Sorry, this is a family-friendly podcast. You probably shouldn't be talking about that. But He's doing drugs is what he's doing. He's not an Oregon for a reason, bro. He's he's doing drugs. (laughs) He is there doing drugs legally. That's what's going on. Hey, if if it clears his mind and we can get a decision out of him, then whatever works uh, for him. But I just hope a decision comes soon. Um. Presumably, it's supposed to come on the Pat McAfee show. We are recording this Monday night, dropping on Tuesday. Pat McAfee show every Tuesday has Aaron Rodgers on, or 90% of Tuesdays has Aaron Rodgers on for a little interview. Not really a little. It's like 45 minutes or more. But a lot of times he says stuff on there that you'll never hear otherwise. Um, He claims that nobody in a circle has anything to do with uh, Shefty or Rap Sheet. And so if it doesn't come from him or people in his inner circle or the Pat Pat McAfee show, then... It's false, um, fake news. And I love that Pat has like found himself in this position with Aaron. Dude, I, he, I love it. Here's what I want to happen. Here's how I envision it. I envision because that was like they, they FaceTime him. I think I envision him the FaceTime screen being black, and Aaron like emerges into he he emerges in view, and as he like comes into frame, like this like it's like it's like God. So let there be light and like 
the light slowly starts to turn on like as he approaches and the light gets fully bright as he gets in frame and like clears up and he's like and then he throws on a hat or like a hoodie that's like he, like he goes full like high school recruiting like i'll be joining the new york jets i'm like puts the hat on <laughs> the <draft> hat. <laughs> bro I, I need it so bad i need it expeditiously or you could I you will, could have like oh. him in the background and have like the pixar like table lamp and you could have it like yes. shining back and forth on all of the hats oh. of potential suitors and then he just like yes. pans into the frame and it's just him selecting his team, like real, faking real, out with like real, grabbing hats. <laughs> real ominous, like. And there's like an NFL hat in case he chooses to retire. <laughs> Pull like a. No, no, there's gotta be. There's got. There's gotta be a. Uh, I'm to draw a blank. A. Uh, I'm a, a Jeopardy hat. There's gotta be a Jeopardy hat on there just in case. You gotta yeah. have the Jeopardy hat. Yeah. Oh my goodness, dude. But yeah, I mean, it kind of. Is, Kind of unfortunate for AFC fans. Pretty much, you know, either return to Green Bay or come to the AFC or retire. So, uh, I'd say it's about seventy percent chance that he's coming to the AFC. Uh, you know, top suitors. You're looking at the New York Jets, Tennessee Titans, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, Titans are obviously in a tough spot with cap, similar to the Raiders. Um, but obviously, you can easily work that out. They cleared up thirty something mil, I think, just over thirty mil with a couple moves last week. Um, Jets are obviously the top pick. You, they hired Nathaniel Hackett as the OC. I mean, he worked with Aaron in Green Bay while Hackett wasn't calling plays in Green Bay and Matt LaFleur was. You're looking at a guy that worked with Aaron for his back-to-back MVPs just a couple years ago. Um, it'd be interesting. I think the Jets are most likely, like I said, Raiders could offer an interesting package. I think returning to the Packers will be nice, but it'd just be tough, and I feel like it's time for them to move on to a new chapter um tennessee titans will also be interesting as they really don't have no answer at quarterback Tannehill has like a 37 mil cap hit malik willis didn't look good um obviously retirement's also an option you're getting up there in years i think he's like 37 38 maybe older um but i mean he's done all everything you need to do he's won what three mvps he's won a super bowl he's had great stats for his career. So, I mean, it really is nothing left to do. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He would join yeah, an incredible he's, class. He's widely regarded as, like, maybe the most talented quarterback of all time, like, talent-wise. Right. Maybe the most talented of all, like, maybe the most gifted of all time. So, like, there's no debate. There's no debate about what he is, like, his legacy. Here's what I do have a question about, though. Presumably, this is a bathtub here. Is this, like, a meditation spot right here? Do you see that? That little pillow? Yeah, it oh, looks like they just medit- whipped out like a chaise lounge <laughs> cushion and threw it on the that's floor. What that's what I'm saying. If you know what it feels like, there is you've ne- definitely never been there because you would never eat this food. There's a Mediterranean place by down 620 called Almara. Great food, but they they, don't, they have like bench seating with like cushions. That's what that looks like. Or like the episode of The Office for those that watch, where they did like the Moroccan Christmas and like they got rid of all the chairs and they sat on like pillows on the floor that's what that looks like because just like sitting on a pillow like what dude aaron Rodgers used to be a normal dude and i i don't know he makes like hippies look chill or like normal i guess he's i don't know man don't do drugs i suppose but um no i think aaron he he's gonna have Here's the weird thing. It's like there's only a few places he can go because he's going to want to go with a receiver room that has good good targets. 
or just good skill talent around him as a whole. So obviously that kind of narrows down, and then it seems that need a quarterback and teams that aren't going to pick one necessarily. So, I mean, the Raiders are kind of thrown in there because of Devontae, I think. I think should, did they not, would they not have had gotten Devontae via trade? Like, this wouldn't be a conversation that we're having. Or would Devontae have gone elsewhere? We wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, you know, the Jets jump out to me as, like, the biggest suitor just because I think that they're in a – they're in a better position right now than the Raiders. Like they've got a better offensive line. They've got a better defense. They've got a better coaching staff. Like I just think that it makes more sense for Rogers. Obviously they hired Nathaniel Hackett to try and lure Rogers in. Um, but obviously, I mean, Vegas has, Hey, it like Tay's a top two receiver in the league. So, um, and that's Rogers guy. So I, you know, I, that's going to be a big, a big poll. I just, I wonder how, I wonder if Rodgers is going to want to go to a division with Pat. Like that, that's do, is what I wonder. And, like, if you compare the divisions, like, would you rather go play Mahomes, Herbert, and Russ twice a year or Josh Allen, maybe Tua if he's healthy, which, like, isn't even a joke. Like, I'm dead serious. Like, if Tua is actually, you know, mentally and physically, like, healthy enough to play, which I hope he is, but that's a real question. Like, Mac Jones, would you rather play twice a year for the next year? And then you look at the defense and the town around him. It's like the Jets almost made it to the playoffs. The Raiders didn't. So I just, I don't know. I um, I think the, the Jets, to me, seem like the most obvious team. Um, the Titans, again, cleared the, the, what, $30 million in cap space. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to get it done. But I will say, I mean, that that's he can go to that division. And they might they, they might be division favorites again if he goes. So obviously they've got to, got to get the offensive line right, and they'd probably lose that first-round pick to go take an offensive tackle at 11. But – um, you know, nonetheless, like it would make sense if you went to Tennessee, you know. So um obviously got like King Henry, Traylon Burks is a nice young receiver. Um gotta, gotta kinda diversify that room a little bit, but nonetheless, um certainly gonna be an option, I think, as a dark horse. Um I, I can't really think of an NFC team that he could go to, like as like a sleeper team. I think the commanders are committed to, you know, Sam Howell and and you know the the prospect of either him figuring it out or picking in the top, you know, picking a top two quarterback next year and then Obviously, the Giants have Daniel Jones, and um, you know, obviously Philly and Dallas are set at quarterback, and then you've got the NFC South, which is a big old question mark. Obviously, it's you know they're all in, you know cap hell. It seems like at least the Saints and the Bucks, the Falcons seem pretty content to rock with Desmond Ritter for a year, and then also be in there running for a quarterback next year. And then obviously Carolina seems like they're going to be taking a rookie this year with, with Frank Reich. So um, you know, obviously Atlanta and Carolina both going to be in Deshaun Watson's or Deshaun Watson. Um, Lamar Jackson sweepstakes and then, um, you know, New Orleans and, and Tampa kind of in just cat purgatory, if you will. And then he's not going to the NFC North team and, um, you know, Niners, Seahawks, uh, Cardinals, Rams, all have quarterbacks. So it's just tough to see him going to the NFC team. So I think, um, as much as I would like him to stay in the NFC, I don't think he's going to stay with the Packers. I think his time's probably up there. Um, you know, the, the rumors of his relationship with LaFleur kind of deteriorating over the last, you know, year or so. And then obviously his relationship with Brian Gundekunst, the, the general manager there has not been great. You know, it's the way that then, you know, they drafted Jordan Love without telling him they, they didn't spend a premium pick on an offensive player the last few years. So um, just tough. Just with the relationship with the whole franchise for him, uh, plus the whole Jordan Love effect, which we're going to get to in a second. But it really seems to me like the New York Jets kind of jump out to me as the, as, as the overwhelming favorite. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like I said, 
think the Jets make the most sense. Um, I don't know what ends up coming out of this. I guess we'll figure out in a you know a day or so when Aaron does say something. But it'll be interesting. Definitely one of the top storylines of the offseason is you know Aaron Rodgers' future. Is he gonna hang it up? Is he gonna you know request a trade? Is he gonna ride in Green Bay? And then obviously, like you said, what does that mean for Jordan Love? Does that does that mean Jordan Love gets traded if Rodgers stays, even if it's only for another year? Does it mean, you know, if Rodgers is traded, I guess they're all in on Jordan Love. They probably have to be. Or do you trade both and restart? I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios where you could say, you know, we want Love. We don't want Love. We want, you know, we're going to ride with Rodgers. Because I don't think Rodgers plays more than one or two more years if he decides to come back, which is a big if, honestly. And so while you could probably like honestly how much more in a trade are you getting for riders than love like obviously more but not nearly as much more as it was even last year so i think that's obviously something if Rodgers does decide he wants to play longer that the packers are gonna have to deeply consider is what really differentiate what would really differentiate a trade package for Rodgers in comparison to love and how could we do it and could we trade both so obviously a lot of different avenues this, this could go down. Um, I I think Rodgers is going to want to trade. If I had to you know make a prediction, I think probably the New York Jets. Um, you know I think he'll come back to play. I think he'll want to trade for the New York Jets. But obviously, I mean as soon as tomorrow's could all be wrong. So um, it'd be fun to see. I just like some you know mix up in the NFL. I love when guys are traded. I love when guys go to new places. That's what makes free agency and the trade deadline so fun. It's because all these guys trade in places that you know. It, garners a lot of attention to the league and for the fan bases and stuff like that. And it's huge, I think, for the NFL uh, to see you guys trade places. So I'd be interested to see how this all uh, plays out. But I think Jordan Love will be the guy, at least for another, at least for next year uh, for Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Going into year four, right? Like they drafted him in the same class as, um, you know, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, uh, and then it was Love and then Hurts. So, um you know, I just don't know how you can not rock with love. I mean, he looked good when he played last year. You know, I get sticking with Aaron for the extra couple of years because he won the MVPs, but it's like, you know, you got to, they, they're going to have to bite the bullet eventually. Um, you know, are they going to pick up the fifth year option for Jordan after? Like, they have to pick it up this year, right? So, um, you know, that's a big question mark, I think. And then you look at the fact, like, the other thing, I, and I'll play devil's advocate to your point of, like, do you trade them both? Like, I think with love, um, and you bring up a good point. Like they could very well trade both of them and start over entirely, which I think is not out of the question. But I'll play devil's advocate and say, why start over when you can probably sign Jordan Love to a cheap deal? You know, so um, I mean, frankly, if I was the Green Bay Packers and I traded Aaron Rodgers this this offseason, I'd be signing Jordan Love to a contract extension the next day, three year extension, get him on a full rookie deal, right? Or something similar, right? Get him get don't don't pay the fifth year option on him and don't put yourself in a position where you sit here, let him play two years, he falls out, and then you go, Well, now I gotta pay him fifty million dollars a year, forty million dollars a year. Don't do that. Set yourself up for success long term, right? From a from a money standpoint. So it's gonna be interesting. Um, you know, I think if if Roger doesn't get moved, Jordan Love has every right to demand a trade and demand it like quickly um i have a feeling that the team has deals in place for jordan love should he rogers opt to stay 
But I also wonder if the team has been like, hey, Aaron, you're not going to play here. Like, go find somewhere else to play. We'll send you where you want to go. Like, we'll do right by you as like a, a franchise cornerstone for the last decade and a half. But like, tell me, go find somewhere else to play. Like, we're, like you're not staying here. Go tell us where you want us to move you. You know what I mean? So right. that kind of feels like what's going on to me. I just don't know how you can't go forward with love at this point from a money standpoint. And kind of just got to let it ride, right? So you invested the top 25 picking them for a reason. So, um, but yeah, we'll kind of round it out with what we think the potential trade packages look like. Um, yeah, if you go back to the Russ deal, it was a lot. Um Obviously, with the prospect of Russ playing a little bit longer, I don't think Rodgers plays more than another two years. So it probably is just a first rounder straight up for Rodgers. Maybe a first rounder in like a third or a fourth, maybe. Um, but I think it's like a player or maybe like a, a lower level player. But I think it's like a first and like some marginal capital. And that's it. Honestly, I don't know how you feel. I don't know what you've seen. I frankly, I'm not that much digging into this because I'm kind of just I'm over it at this point. Like I. When hear about Aaron Rodgers getting traded for three years, dude, like I'm kind of over it. So um, I'm ready for Aaron to just get out of the darkness retreat and tell us as much as like the light we were making it earlier. And it's funny. Like it is comical. I'm also tired of it. Like, let's just get on with it, Aaron. You know what I mean? I'm tired of watching LeBron sit there for an hour and go with his decision. It's the same vibe. You know what I mean? Like, let's. Um, yeah, I, I think a first rounder gets it done. I think, I think if a team offers them a first and like a, a, a fourth, they're pulling the trigger right now and that will get it done. Yeah, I agree. I think first, if it's a top half first, you know, top 15. Yeah. I think that gets it done. If it's a, you know, back half, probably a third or a fourth, like you said, of the teams we've got on here, it's what 13, seven and 11. So like those picks probably like 13 and like a fifth gets it done. I think probably. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, Packers have always been my second favorite team. Grew up, you know, just a couple hours south of where they played until I was, you know, nine. So I liked watching them. A lot of my friends were Packers fans. Um, but if Aaron Rodgers leave, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, if Lamar gets traded and Rodgers leaves, then, I, you know, Lamar's team, presumably in the NFC, will probably be my, become my second favorite team. Um, you know, the whole time I've liked the Packers, Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback. You know, Brett Favre was on his way out, and it was just easy to root for him. They were good. They were always, you know, up and coming. Always competitive, similar to the Ravens. Um, it's going to be tough to see Aaron Rodgers go just because you've known him as a Packers. like Tom with the Patriots. Like, obviously, I think it would be a little, you know, a lot more people like to see, to see Tom leave. I think Rodgers is like, like he's a Packer. Like, it, it's tough to see yeah. these guys at the end of their careers head to new spots. But I think it's just, it's basically protocol nowadays. I mean, it seems like every star ends up going to finish their career elsewhere. I mean, Especially quarterbacks. Especially quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the top quarterbacks now will see play for another team for a couple years before they retire. It's just what it is. You rarely see guys play for one team, and we saw with Tom, we see with Phillip Rivers, we see Joe Flacco, not saying he's the same quality. Even Peyton Peyton Manning, though. Peyton was with Denver for a few years, right? Right, Peyton. um, We have a – who else? Ben and Eli didn't, Drew didn't, but again, Drew didn't finish his career with the Chargers where he got drafted, so like, right. it didn't really count because he's he's a saint, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. um, but no, I mean you're you're 100 right. Like it seems like, it feels like protocol now for these star 
MVP caliber quarterbacks. Not that all of them won one, but like MVP caliber guys going and finishing careers with, uh, you know, different teams for a year or two. Um, you know, it was really weird seeing Philip Rivers in a Colts jersey, man. Like I, it, you know, it even took, it even it, like even when De- like when Peyton won a ring in Denver, like it didn't look normal. Like even like when when Brady retired this year, like it looked weird. Right. Seeing him in a in a Bucks jersey still, you know what I mean? Like he's a pat to me. So, um, you know, it's gonna be really weird to see. It's gonna be an adjustment for sure. Um, but yeah, you're 100 percent right. Hit the nail on the head. It seems like it's protocol now. It's kind of standard for these guys to go elsewhere to finish their careers. But um, only if anything else to, to 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 add to that, we can get to the ice bath and we'll uh, scoot out of here. Yeah, for sure. Um. That's pretty much it. We'll obviously, you know, tweet something out if any update comes in the next yeah. couple of days. Um, but yeah, ice bath. We each got some football related today. Just a little, you know, stat, I guess. I'll start. Uh, so in Lamar Jackson, obviously drafted in 2018, 32nd pick. Uh, the Ravens traded up to get him in the first. In his five years in Baltimore, so the entire duration of his rookie deal, the wide receiver total yards was. 4,919. So that means they average like 920, 30, 930 yards about per season across all wide receivers. Lamar Jackson's total rushing yards in his five years in Baltimore and just 60 starts because he didn't really play rookie year that much and he missed a few other starts here and there, missed six starts each of the last two seasons. 4,437. So he only had 488 less rushing yards than the wide receivers did total yards from scrimmage, which was crazy. Uh, saw this earlier on Twitter, as I normally see all these kind of stats. Um, but yeah, crazy. You'd think the wide receivers would be like two or three times as much. Um, that just goes to show you how valuable Lamar was. I mean, how he is, regardless of who will be playing for next year. Um, Wide receivers, Ravens have never really had any since the Super Bowl, you know, 10 years ago exactly. So it's been tough. Um, but I think they're going to they're gonna really go for receivers this offseason. It'll be interesting to see how they go about that, you know, what kind of receivers they're looking for. Obviously, they have a, you know, taller, you know, good route runner with, with some speed and Rashad Bateman. But outside of that, they don't have anyone um, notable. So um, this crazy stat I saw without close it was between you know total yards for receivers and Lamar's rushing yards yeah I mean you could argue he's one of the most valuable players in the whole league like obviously won an MVP but if you look at like what he's done um for the team and what he's what the team has you know really not done with him with him not on the field um you could argue he's maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes who's just such an anomaly the most valuable player in football right like the most valuable player to their team in the whole league so um, you know, going to be interesting to kind of follow the Lamar Jackson Chronicles. Obviously, we spent almost an hour talking about it last week. Um, so, yeah, going to be interesting to see kind of where he lands and um, kind of what the NFL landscape looks like based upon where he goes. But no doubt, um, it, one of the probably one of the five most dynamic players in the whole sport. Um, the guy who, regardless, is really fun to watch. So, um, But I'll get to my ice bath here. Uh, one of the more fun to watch players in the upcoming draft, Zay Flowers, um, you know, my guy in the receiving class this year. Um, added 13 pounds of muscle as he started training for the combine, um, bulking up to 183. He posted the pictures to them like on Twitter or Instagram, maybe both. Um, he got Jack, dude. Like he's big. 
Um, and he was like five, almost 5'10 at the, at the Shrine Bowl. Um, he's like 5'9 and like 6'8s, I think. Um, but no, I mean, he looks good. He looks really strong. Um, curious to see what he runs at. He said he's going to run a 4'3, but it feels like every single receiver says I'm going to run a 4'3. Like you and I could say, I'm not going to run a 4'3 tomorrow. That doesn't mean anything. It, you know, like I think Zay's really fast. I just don't know what he's going to run. So, um, but it's very good that he bulked up. I think NFL teams are going to have question marks about his size. Him getting up to 183 and probably still going to plan to get bigger as well um, is really big for him. I think he's going to clear up a lot of, I don't want to say question marks, just more like maybe some some negatives to his to his game. People are going to worry about his size. So getting him some weight on him is big, um, as long as he still tests well, obviously. But um, really good to see one of my favorite guys in this class. And um you know, while I am team trade back for the Chargers at 21, I'd be very happy if they drafted Zay Flowers at uh, at 21 this year. Um, so, yeah, one of my guys in this class um, did some really good stuff for his sock today. And I'm um, really happy to see it for him. And um looks great, man. He looks awesome. I don't know if you saw yeah, the pictures or not, but he looks awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely one of my favorite guys in the wide receiver room. Um, you know, just how much he can do, how versatile he is, you know, how much value he can provide to number of different teams regardless of what their hole at receiver is or holes um i think it'll be interesting to see how he does like a lot of other receivers probably the f- most fun position to watch at the combine um just in terms of you know 40s feel so valuable to those guys and every drill means so much because of what they do on a play-to-play basis um so it'll be fun to see uh, but nonetheless if you want to know the schedule check on twitter tweeted it a few days ago the four-day schedule, Thursday to Sunday. Thursday and Friday start at 2 Central. Saturday and Sunday start at noon Central. Um, so I think about, you know, probably almost 24 hours of televised action from Indianapolis. Um, you get your fair share of the next few days, and next week we'll have a maybe a vastly different uh, understanding of this draft class and, you know, where we have guys in different positions. But that's pretty much it for today. Um, episode 40 of the Cole's Eat Podcast comes to a conclusion, and – we will see y'all uh, later this week for our penultimate um, 2023 NFL Draft positional rankings episode where we will cover safeties and interior offensive linemen, or sorry, safeties and linebackers. And then we'll round it out with the two positions we haven't touched, and they are interior offensive linemen and quarterbacks um, the following week. So stay tuned uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, at Cold Seat Podcast, and we will see y'all at the end of the week for the newest positional rankings episode. See you guys soon.